We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Dr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paul O'Ching in the building. Paul, say what's up to the people. Yo, 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 what's up to the people? First of all, it's going to be my new, my new title. I am officially your auntie's favorite nephew. What's good? I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to this episode. I'm really, really excited. <laughs> yes, sir. With that being said, you guys know every episode for us is about being able to bring you special guests that can upgrade your business, your brand, your life, whatever you need. We got it here at OTC. This week is no exception. With that being said, today's guest has been a family nurse practitioner with 14 years of experience in the healthcare field. She went from certified nursing assistant to registered nurse to now a nurse practitioner. As a family nurse practitioner, she has seven years of experience in diagnosing, treating, and managing acute and chronic medical conditions. She's an educator and mentor to nursing students and has been a clinical instructor for nursing students at the University of Connecticut and is currently a professor at Chamberlain University College of Nursing. She helps nurses and nurse practitioners find their passion and leave their nine to five. And she is the founder of Innovative Healthcare of Connecticut. Oof, God, that's a long resume right there. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce our lovely guest for today. Guys, we have none other than Dr. Camille Apiahene in the building. Doc, talk to us. How are you feeling? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing splendid. Blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Love Happy to there. have you. Thank you. Absolutely. So we like to be respectful of your time, right? Because we know you got stuff you got to do. So with that being said, just right out the gate, we always like to kind of start off with the why, right? Because a lot of who you are and what you do stems from your why. And so with that being said, let's start off with why did you even choose to pursue the field of nursing? Um, it's so funny that like so many people ask me that. Um, and to be so honest, nothing really like, you know, made me like, aha, have that like aha moment. Like, okay, I want to be a nurse. I've just always known that, um, I wanted to help people. I don't know if it's because I had a few family members that were CNAs around me, um, a couple nurses, but I just knew nursing was my thing. Like in school, um in middle school and high school like our guidance counselors always asked us like you know what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to do and I always just said nursing and it just resonated with me I just knew I wanted to be a nurse and my guidance counselors were amazing in my high school and they made sure that all the classes I took would set me up well for college when I went to nursing school so I know it's kind of weird like at such a young age how did I know I wanted to be a nurse I think, I, like I said, it just, it just, I just knew that's what I wanted to be. Um, as in terms of going as far as I did into nursing, I never thought I would be this far. Like I thought I was just going to be a nurse, and then I became 
a nurse practitioner. And now I'm in school to, you know, get my doctorate degree in nursing. So, but I promise after that, I'm done. Like my friends joke and say, I'm going to keep going for another degree. I'm like, no, I'm done. After three, I'm done. There's nothing else to get. That's a terminal degree. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at some point we'll just start calling them professional students. <laughs> you know what though? I feel like school takes up so much of our lives that when we graduate, at least for me, I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Like your whole life has been studying in classes. And now that all of that's gone, you're bored. So I was like, okay, let me do it again. But I'm done after three. I swear. Oh, mercy. Shout <laughs> out to all the nurses, because <laughs> wow. Okay, let me let me ask you this question because I know obviously part of your story and Carl kind of mentioned it too when you went from being a CNA to an RN right and to a practitioner what and you know I think we kind of laughed over it but what really pushed you to that next step because I feel like I grew up you know my mom was a nurse and then she wanted to do anesthesia right and oh, wow. so for her like I always like I grew up just kind of watching her do the CNA to nursing to anesthesia and I always knew like for her some campushner are like, I want to be able to provide more care and be able to make better decisions for my people. So was it kind of like that for you? Or um, what was pushing you to be like, you know what, this, I got to take that next step. Like, I got to do a little more. Um, so from CNA, it was always my goal to be a nurse. Um, but I knew that I needed exposure into the bedside. Um, so I wanted to start off as a CNA. So I was in nursing school as a CNA. So everything kind of just went together. Um, and then after being a nurse for a few years, I realized I needed more autonomy. Like if I knew something was going wrong with my patient, if I knew my patient needed a, a EKG or a CAT scan or a certain medication, I couldn't order it because I'm just a nurse. I would have to ask the doctor for permission. If they didn't agree with me, then we couldn't get those orders. And then it was just frustrating. Like if I knew, you know, let's say I had Mrs. Jones for two days in a row and here I am the third shift and I'm like, something's off with her. Like, I know this is not her normal. She needs a CAT scan. She needs this. Something's going on. They're like, oh no, she's fine. She's fine. We rounded on her. She's fine. Tomorrow she's in the ICU with heart attack or blood clot. And it's like, I told you that something is wrong with her. Like she's off, but because we don't, we didn't have the capability of ordering um, any type of testing or medications as a nurse, we were stuck. And so I hated that feeling. Um, and then also working with a lot of residents, sorry, residents, but a lot of them didn't know what they were doing. And so a lot of times I'm, I would call them and they'll be like, I don't know, what should I do? What should we order? And we would be telling them what to order our patients. I'm like, well, this is, I need to just do this myself. So I needed more autonomy um, to care for patients the way I wanted to, to care for them. And that's what really made me want to be a nurse practitioner. So with that being said, I'm kind of curious to know because we know there's a lot of things in healthcare that need some tweaking, need some working on, but what would you say for you is one to three things that you would like to change in healthcare? Um, access to healthcare. That's actually what I'm doing my doctorate project on. Um, education, 
we don't educate our patients enough. Well, I do in my practice. I don't, other people don't, but for the most part, doctors, we don't, we don't teach our patients enough. It's like, oh, here, take this pill. It's for your blood pressure. Goodbye. You don't explain to them how the pill works. You don't explain to them what it could possibly do to them. I just feel like we've become such a culture of, oh, you have a symptom, let's treat it. And we don't educate our patients enough. Um, and also diversity. We need more diverse nurses. Um, I've faced a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of instances where patients like they don't want a black nurse or they um, assume I'm the CNA. <laughs> when they find out I'm the nurse practitioner, they're like, oh, oh okay. You know, so I think those three things, um, or I should say normalized diversity. I feel like those three things are very important and what we need in, 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 um, in healthcare and nursing. I like the way you defined it as normalizing that diversity too, because, and I don't know if, if we had a previous guest kind of talk about it or if I read it somewhere, but I always read like somehow too, because of that lack of diversity for a lot of people that look like us, our experience in the hospital isn't like a lot of other people's experiences. So like overlooked, ignored, just a lot of assumptions are made. So I really love, love that you point that out. So, you know, then I'd ask you, like, I come to you, I'm like, yo, here's this, I forgot what that thing in Aladdin is called that the genie comes out of. Here's this lamp, right? And I'm like, you get to, you get to rub this lamp, you got three wishes to do whatever you want to change in healthcare in relation to diversity. What, what then become like, nobody's gonna, it's, it's just like no red tape. They're gonna be like, bet, that's what we're doing. What would those three things then be for you to be able to like normalize that? And just speaking to diversity? I um, mean, if you want to expand to other portions of healthcare too, you can. But I also want to kind of hear about what that, like what the actionable step for diversity needs to look like. I feel like, um, I don't remember the name of the article, but just for reference, there was an article um, that they interviewed some residents about their perception of African-Americans pain. Um, and they think that, I think it was like 70% of them think that we feel pain a lot different than they do. They feel like we don't feel pain. And the, <laughs> that's, this is part of the reason why there's a lot of maternal deaths in black women and things like that. They don't, they think we're so far off from them. I think they need to learn more about us and we're, we're all human, right? We're not different. Like we're all the same. And I just feel that there has to be a lot more education for providers who have that misconception. I don't know how we would do it, as in, especially as in terms of listening to patients when they say they have pain, when they say they don't feel right, when they say something's going on, listen, investigate, you know, do the correct testing for them. Um, and I feel that I want people to feel safe. I feel like it's just this weird thing. I mean, I've had patients say they don't want African-American nurses or CNAs and that's just what it is. And then it's just, and the question is like, why? Like, what do you think we're gonna do to you? And vice versa, a lot of African-American patients don't wanna be seen by Caucasian providers. They're afraid. They don't feel like they can relate to them. Um, everybody brings up like Tuskegee. They don't trust, especially with this whole COVID vaccine. Oh, we're not taking this because, you know. And so I feel like on both ends, there needs to be, it's gonna be a lot of work, but we need to have some type of understanding where we have to kind of learn each other, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So let's transition a little bit, right? Because you're also a business owner, right? You also, yeah, I know. I don't, doing both is definitely a task. So hats off to you. But tell us, just in, in terms of um, Innovative Healthcare of Connecticut, like explain to us how that came into origin and how that's been for you so far. Um, so the whole idea of corporate medicine sucks. I'm going to put it just like that. We work hard, we work long hours and we don't get paid enough. And, and, and I feel, feel like it's a thankless job. You know, these big corporations, they want you to see patients every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes. Like, what are you going to do for somebody in 15 minutes? That's crazy. And the reality of it is the more patients that an office can see in a day, of course, the more money they get from these insurance companies. Um, and that's not healthcare, right? So I said to myself, I want to make more money, but I also want to take care of patients in a better way, um, in a way that I want to. So it's something that I've thought about for about six years and always had an excuse. Oh, I'm not ready. Oh, I don't know if I have enough funds. Um, all kinds of excuses. And I think it was just COVID that literally just made me like the light bulb went off and it was like, do it now. Um, and so I made my own practice. <laughs> um, and I will say being an entrepreneur, like the, like when you, your first venture, it is kind of tough because you're new to it. You don't know where to start. You don't know where to go. But it becomes addicting. I'm, I'm sure you guys can probably relate because now I have a med spa. I, I have, I'm a co-owner of a med spa as well that we just opened up in January. Um, I'm starting up a consulting um, firm for nurses, which I've already started to work with a few nurses to help them open up their practices. So many people reach out to me. They're like, how do I leave my job? And how do I start a practice? And what do I do? So I teach them. Um, it's a beautiful journey when you see your ideas come to life, your vision comes to life. I love talking about entrepreneurship because it always like, there's always like a staunch split down the middle 90-10 uh, difference. There's a 90% of people who, I'm going to say it, they've been driven to believe that they can only get what they can only get and it is what it is and that's just it and then there's the other percent of us that are insane and wake up and realize hold on we're working for an entrepreneur let me go ahead and just be one myself amen right so let, let's go into this first question being do you think anybody's capable of being an entrepreneur and the back Everywhere. end of that question is do you think people will actually choose to be entrepreneurs? I think everybody is capable. Um, but I think a lot of people are afraid and people want to stay in their comfort zone. And that's being an employee. I'm sure people have thought about it, but they're like, oh no, it's probably too hard. Let me forget it. Because I was one of those people um, initially. But I do think people, everybody has the potential. Everybody has a passion. Everybody has something that they love to do. Um, and want to make money while they're doing it. So then the natural question is everybody can do it, right? Not everybody's going to, but everybody can do it. What was it inside you? I know you talked about COVID, but there had to be something specific that you stood up one day and you're like, nah, I got to stop playing and actually go do this. What was that oh. thing for you? 
I would say burnout. Yeah. Like what I was saying, like, you know, you're, you're forced to see, to work long hours, to see so many patients, you hardly ever get a break. It's a, it's a known, it's a joke that like nurses don't get to go to the bathroom or eat. Like it was just, it's too much. Go, 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 go. Your, your head is spinning. You question yourself. Am I taking care of these patients the way I should be? Am I giving them enough time, the time that they deserve, you know? So it was stressful. And I was like, this can't be it. (laughs) This is not what I went to school for. This can't be nursing. And so I said, I have to get out of it and make it my own. So I think COVID, having time to sit home, um, I really just brainstormed and put all my ideas together, drafted my business plan. And there you go. And I think that's the same for a lot of um, people. Have you seen the amount of entrepreneurs that within the last like two years, it's insane. It's crazy. Go ahead, Paul. Okay. So I have another question then, because that's a good point you brought up. Everybody and their mom became an entrepreneur in the last year. <laughs> like, people selling socks. People are selling. <laughs> everybody's doing it. So let, let's have a real, real conversation then. Because like you said, you actually teach, like one, you've done it, right? So then you're actually teaching people to go and do it that are nurses, Right. So what does it take that sets you apart? And the reason why I ask is because when I say everybody became an entrepreneur over the last two years, it's like, it just almost feels so saturated where I'm like, dog, half y'all, I don't really know if you like are doing it or it's just the idea of being an entrepreneur that sounds great because that's the new, I'm making six figures. Like that's the new, you know? So then what, what is it like for you when you're looking for people to serve or if people, nurses are like, I'm done, I'm burnt out, I want to do this my own, and they're looking for you. What kind of criteria do you then go like, okay, if this is you and these are the things that you bring to the table, I know I can help you hit success. Yeah, we definitely have like our initial phone call. Where I get to learn them, um, find out their history in nursing, what they've done, where they want to go. But I have to get that sense um, that they have, that, that that mindset is there and that they're determined. Like, I can't work with lazy people. I can't work with somebody who has no idea of what they want to do. Um, I It has to be somebody who's focused, driven, and knows, doesn't have to know exactly what they want to do or where they want to go, because that's where I step in and help them. But you have to have some type of direction and you have to be um, somebody who, you know, I can sense that like determination and driving you. And I can tell that from like our first conversation. All right. So on this podcast, we like to teach, right? Because we got we got people that come on here just to hear of different ways that they can kind of diversify their their income. And you mentioned you mentioned the consulting piece, but you also mentioned the the med spa piece. Right. Now, with that, talk to us a little bit about what that looks like for someone who's interested in getting into it? Like, what are some of the costs associated with it? How how does it look to kind of set that up? The med spa part? Yep. So it depends on um, if you want a brick and mortar, so an actual office space, or if you want to do mobile aesthetics, depending on your state laws, you can actually do Botox and fillers mobile in people's homes. Like I'm in Connecticut and Connecticut, you cannot do it mobile. Um, so I have a brick and mortar. So it depends on if you want a brick and mortar or not. Obviously, if you're doing it mobile, it's so much cheaper. There's not much startup cost. Um, but if you're going to have a brick and mortar, it's, 
it's a good amount of money. I would say probably about fifteen. 15 to 20 K because there's, there's equipment you have to buy, like the chairs, the products, the Botox, the fillers, your machines, um, obviously your rent, um, that you're the, you, you know, that you're leasing from maybe utilities, um, your, uh, EHR system, a lot goes into it, but I would say for aesthetics, it's a little bit more expensive than like my primary care office because you got to buy all that products and stuff. But it's cool. It's 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 fun. We do fillers. We do Botox. We do facials, IV hydration, um, microneedling, all kinds of all kinds of fun things for aimed at beauty. Even men, we do Botox. Let me see you go like this. So kind of make a sad face. Oh yeah, you could do some. You could do some Botox. And then let me see you like raise your raise your eyebrows. Let me see. Oh, not bad. Not bad. But we do Botox if you ever. <laughs> I say Paul's laughing. <laughs> and we do um, vaginal rejuvenation. We do penile rejuvenation. <clears throat> A lot of stuff. A lot of fun stuff. Man. <laughs> so many questions. Um... <laughs> Nah, so many questions. Nah, but first of all, I kind of back. I want to backtrack a little bit because I think when people also hear kind of the startup cost, yeah, because obviously, like in our business, we do uh, SEO services for all our clients. So that's search engine optimization to the listeners, and we always tell people like you got to understand when you come into this that the number you hear on the front end is whatever is getting you to your desired goal, right? right? And a lot of people kind of be looking at this stuff like the way they look at their paycheck every two weeks and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I just don't understand. It costs what it costs. But what I want to ask you about is because I think when you come into that, is that like self-funded? Do you like go to the bank and say, hey, I need me a loan. Can you give it to me? Um, like other sources, how'd you go about that? Well, you can do self-funding, you can do, you can apply for grants, you can apply for loans. Some people take all business credit cards. Um, I personally, me and my partner, because like I said, we, I, 50-50 um, partnership with the MedSpa, we just self-funded. I just, you know, I have colleagues that started their MedSpa um, and with loans, 200,000, 100,000. I don't want to owe anybody that much money. And I'd rather just pay out of pocket and know that it's mine. You know, some people, they don't mind it taking out loans, but you remember that interest by the time you're done paying that off, <laughs> it's like double what you paid, you know, the, the amount that you took out. So it's really people's preference. Um, but for me, um, self-funding was the best route. All right. Um, let me, what's the best advice you ever received about business? And it could be advice that helped you or advice that made you be like, you know what? I'm never going to do that because that's, <laughs> that's, that's against what I believe. Um, best advice is like, was like, keep going. And that, uh, that really pertains to marketing. Like, you know, if you're posting something, um, if you're trying to get a message out and you don't have a lot of followers, you don't have a lot of likes, don't let that discourage you. Like keep going. Somebody's listening. Somebody's watching. Somebody can benefit from your service. Um, and be, and be consistent. That's another thing. Like you have to be consistent. Um, that's one of the things I'm trying to do 
um, especially with my social media is be consistent. It's hard when you're managing three pages, but I had somebody managing my page, but just didn't work out good. But consistency is key. You have to keep going, never stop. So on the back end of that, you've, you know, most definitely been able to see success in the business. Of course, there's always that learning curve where you kind of got to take some L's before you start to, to win and, and, and see, you know, the, the benefit of your labor. But what I want to ask you is because like we, we're very firm believers that success leaves clues, right? Just across the board, success always leaves clues. So speaking to yourself, what would you say your top three success habits are? <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, my success habits. I would say, I think I'm very persistent. Um, if, you know, if I'm trying something new and I hit a roadblock, we just move to the left a little bit and we figure it out. We make it work. Um, I would say I'm very um, determined. Like I have an end goal and I have to get there, you know? Um, I think a lot of people get discouraged <laughs> when they, you know, plan A doesn't work and then they want to throw the towel and now you have to keep going. Plan B it is. If you have to go to plan C, it's what you got to do. Um, and I would say another thing that I've recently just started, I would like the last couple years is learning how to delegate. I used to be that person who would do, try to do everything myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it never worked out. So I've learned now um, how to be a better delegator, to have people do things to help me in my business that I'm not struggling um, and trying to do everything on my own. Yeah, you know, I, I like that delegation piece too, because you realize very quickly, you spend a lot of energy doing the stuff that you're not that good at that's the number one way um that's that's interesting because that's true I was, I was having a conversation uh with my business coach earlier today and i was telling him like yo i'm i'm decent at creating stuff but i feel like that's the number one thing that can keep my business from growing like it's true like we energy, right i attempted to like do everybody's like oh save money build your own website i was like all right cool <laughs> no 10 minutes, I was like, no, nah, we don't have to have somebody build my website because I'm not about this life. <laughs> like I had no idea what I was doing. It was a disaster. And I feel like if you spend more than a few hours on something, it's not for you. Stop wasting your time. That's a bar. <laughs> that's, that's a bar, yo. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's going on. That's going there. Um, okay. So then let's kind of dive to into what does work-life balance exist does it exist as an entrepreneur it does but you it is what you make it right like you have to and that's another thing that I'm learning um you have to kind of set time for that so I have a husband I have two kids a two-year-old and a four-year-old well almost four-year-old um it's hard. It's really hard to like keep everybody happy. But I've learned that like, if I literally, I have to literally schedule time in like, you know, Mondays is for homework. Um, 
Thursdays, I have to be, you know, done with work by five. So I can get home and it's my kids, you know, every other Saturday, take them out to do something fun to play. Like you have to kind of schedule it in or otherwise things, family time, personal things get missed. It's possible. It's hard, but it is very possible. So in addition to everything that you've been able to do, because I feel like a big part of being able to grow as an entrepreneur is also what you're putting back into yourself. You know, a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs, but don't understand that also means you have to invest a lot into yourself. So for yourself, like, what would you say is like a book that changed the game for you or something personal development wise that was like, boom, this took my mind to the next level? Um, I feel like, first of all, you can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to take care of yourself before um, you can take, you know, tend to the matters of your business. But I feel like, I know this is bad. I'm not really much of a reader. <laughs> One of my colleagues, she put me onto like the Audible, the Audible books which I have a whole list of them to, to go through. I haven't done it yet, but I know that is a good, that's something that'll fit my schedule. Like when I'm driving or if I'm cooking, I can listen to these things because I know I just don't have the time and structure to sit and read a book. Um, but I feel like, wait, I feel like what, can you repeat the question again? Absolutely. Yeah. So just let's put the books to the side, right? Cause we're, we got to get to those, but just in general, what would you say from a personal development standpoint has okay. been the thing that's like helped you to catapult mentally to the next level in your business? I think, um, seeing my business start to grow, um, has been something that's like, okay, this is a thing. People like it. People can use it. People, um, can, you know, find, um, I, I, you know, my services can help other people. I feel like once you see people booking appointments or people calling and asking questions, um, it really gives you that, like, that push, like, let's go, let's take it to another level. Let's give people, you know, what they're looking for. I feel like that's for me. It lets me know what's working. If there are services that nobody wants or nobody books or nobody inquires about, maybe that's not something that's you know going to work and maybe put that off to the side. So it's been, you know, um, I've learned a lot on this process. Um, still learning. Um, I will forever be learning. That's a lifelong process. But I think, um, yeah, I think that is like the key to seeing, you know, everybody wants to see the fruit of their labor, right? when you're doing something, you want to make sure it's that it's received by your target population. So I feel like that is really what helps to drive me. So here's a question. Um, and I asked it the other day on our social media, just because I was kind of like trying to market research, we'll call it. <clears throat> so I'll ask you the same question. So as a business owner, two options, right? I come to you and I say, hey, I, I can provide one or the other. Option one is more money, meaning you're doing whatever it is you're doing right now. You're getting the results you're getting right now. You're just going to get more money. Option two is visibility, meaning people will have less of an issue finding the solution you provide to their problem. Which one would you pick?
I think visibility. I feel like that goes a long way. I mean, you never know who you might reach. Um, you never know who could be looking for your service. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to do too, is, you know, getting my name out there, letting people know who I am and how I can help and what I do. I think visibility is a big part of being an entrepreneur. Um, it's not always the money. Yes, the money is nice, but I feel that like really reaching your target and letting them relate to you is the most important. And last, last question I have for you. Oh, okay. um, what would you say, first of all, thank you for answering that like that. Cause I think a lot of people also definitely only hear one and don't hear the other, but I like the visibility portion. Have mercy, that coffee's kicking in. The visibility portion, just because it'll ultimately lead to the other thing. Right. Right. But we firmly believe, we always talk about it. I always talk about it when I do my live videos too, where I'm like, look, if you make it harder for your people to find you, they're going to have a hard time saying yes to you if they find you. You know what I'm saying? So right. like definitely decrease right. the pain they experience while they have an issue. Um, all right. Last question here for me. Success. How do you define success and what does it look like for you in your day to day now and maybe 10 years in the future? Success is achieving all your goals while still maintaining happiness and um, structure in your life. I feel like a lot of people say success is like, oh, I got money, but like, have you reached your goals? Did you get to the point you wanted to get in your business or did you grow as much as a per you know, personally that you wanted to? So I feel like there's so many different factors that goes into success. For me, it's like I said, accomplishing my goals, um, being a role model for my kids. If my kids can look up to me and be like, yeah, mom's doing it. And, you know, I want to do what mom does. I feel like I've, I've reached my goal. I've reached my success level. Of course, monetary as well. Um, but for me, it's much more um, deeper than that. Uh, I love that, especially, you know, the piece on, on your kids. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, it's about legacy, you know. So that's so... That's so true. Let me ask you, this will be my last one. If you could leave our listeners with one quote that you live by, what would it be? Ooh. Um, and why should they apply it? I can't say that I, I can think of an actual quote, but I will say... Um, you know, never stop. My, my biggest thing is like, never stop, you know, achieving your goals. I don't care if the, the next person, it took them a year to get their degree and it's going to take you eight years. Keep going. I, I, I can't stress that enough. Like no matter what the obstacles are in life that you face, you have to, you, you eventually you'll come out of them and you have to just keep going. Like I've Listen, my doctorate has taken me almost double the time that it needed to because I got married. I had kids and, you know, I had family that was sick and I had to take time off, but you still keep going. Um, that's the only way life is going to work for you. You can't give up anytime something doesn't go your way. And I'm a big believer in that. Um, yeah. 
that's really the biggest thing for me. And I feel like we all can relate, right? No matter in our personal life, work, we all face obstacles. We all face something that makes us like want to just stop or be like, I'm not doing this anymore or get frustrated, but we can't, you got to keep going because you'll never get to that point. You'll never get to your goal. That's the mic drop moment right there. (laughs) (laughs) So let me just say thank you. You know, we really do appreciate you making the time to stop by and and chat with us and drop some gems on our listeners. For anybody that's listening and this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be some social media or contact information you'd want to leave with them? Um, Okay, so I'm on IG. I have three pages on IG, guys. Um, My nursing slash consulting page is the Powerhouse NP. Um, my primary care business, um, is innovative healthcare CT. Um, and then my med spa is Roya, R-O-Y-A underscore med spa. Um, you, wow, I have so many emails. Um, if you ever wanted to shoot me an email, ask any questions, it'll be my first initial last name. So C Apiahene at innovativehealthct.com. Perfect. Crazy. <laughs> cool. I don't even know how I, I manage all those three pages, but <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it. Thank so, you. Again, you know, thank you. Cause we don't take it lightly. So seriously, thanks for coming on to our lovely listeners. It is that time in the episode. Let me remind you guys, actually don't forget. Oh, before I even say that, Hit Camille up. Tell her how much you enjoyed the episode. You know, um, ask for advice, opinions. I can't say it'll be free, though. That's on her. So <laughs> enter, the, enter the DMs at your own risk. But Facts. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's the disclaimer right there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but y'all, y'all definitely go show her some love. Um, and, and get some gems from her. Cause I mean, she dropped a bunch on this episode. I hope you guys were taking some good notes and let me remind you guys now for OTC. Don't forget. We are doing a five day keyword challenge coming up in the next week or two. So be on the lookout for that. Okay. We're going to do five days of nonstop, just giving you guys value for keywords to help with your visibility with your audience. All right. And just remember for all your SEO needs, we got you over here at OTC and yeah, we will see you guys in the challenge. We have a general and we have a VIP, but we'll let y'all make the decision which one you want to choose. But with all that being said, until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.